For our text tonight, we'll look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 and 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. There are particular underlying themes in the epistle to the Hebrews. Probably the most prominent one that might come to our minds is the theme of that which is better. In fact, I believe the word is used 13 times in this particular letter. It's used more here here than in any other New Testament book. These ring true to our minds as we read Hebrews. He talks about a better hope, a better testament, a better covenant, better promises, and better sacrifices. He writes about in heaven a better and enduring substance. Of course, our hope of heaven and what will be there. We can't even imagine the substance of what it will be, but the writer speaks to that. He, he talks about desiring a better country, our home, our hope. He says that we might obtain a better resurrection, speaking of the change that our bodies will undergo instantaneously so that we can enjoy that which is better in terms of that country. He even states that God has provided some better thing for us. Our minds haven't even got there yet to all that Christ has prepared and that what we will ultimately enjoy one day. If you look at this word better, it actually means, which is interesting, stronger in the sense of power or might. So we know the writer is talking about a, a better gospel or we could say the, the new covenant. It was a better covenant. It's a better covenant. Or maybe even we might say better experiences. And when we think of this, this word for better might or, or power, I think of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we can experience under the new covenant and how much better that is. And then, of course, uh, the better hope of eternity. We want to take full advantage of this access, that which we have, which is better. And so that's, I guess, the first theme that, that sticks out to me in this particular epistle But another word or theme that this writer uses in describing the Lord, and it's also used more in this book than in any other New Testament book in terms of describing God, and that is this word faithful from our text. God is faithful. I think when we think of the faithfulness of God, this is very personal to you and me. Perhaps perhaps one of the most important descriptions of of God. It's the very nature of Jesus Christ. It's a characteristic that simply means that God is trustworthy. Now, it's easy in our day and age to come up with a handful of things that we can't trust, or maybe we might be somewhat skeptical of. For instance, how trustworthy is the news? How trustworthy is what we read online? How trustworthy is your social media feed? So-and-so tweeted 
something, well, is it true? How trustworthy is the science? How trustworthy is the government? How trustworthy is your teacher or your professor? How trustworthy is your textbook? Isn't it supposed to be the benchmark of what you might be learning? How trustworthy is your dentist or doctor? I hope fairly trustworthy. We're in a political season. We hear a lot about how trustworthy are the polls anyway. They're skewed. There's a margin of error. There's a a pretty familiar quote that says you can make the numbers say anything or statistics can be made to prove anything. And I was reading from a a, a Toronto, Toronto, excuse me, realty uh, business blog. It says that old adage, you can make the numbers say anything you want rings true in many facets of life. Whether it's a news broadcast that uses demographic data to their advantage or an economic forecast or the classic manipulation of financial statements, you never really know what to believe. But we know that that God made you and me in such a way, in such a manner, we might say, that we desire relationships that are built on trust. Or we could say trustworthiness. Why are typically our family those which we are closest with? We trust them. Why are our closest friends our closest friends? Well, typically it's because we trust them. At least we think we can. People inherently want to work with people that they can trust. You want to be able to have a a conversation where what they say, you believe what they say, and what you tell them, they believe what you say, you know, the old-fashioned way where a handshake means something. That's how relationships work. And I, I believe even more so in the body of Christ. We are all members, the scripture talks about. We're all working together to the same common goal that we might make heaven our home. We want to be able to trust one another. And God can help us to do that by way of the blood of Jesus Christ. But that's how God designed relationships to work correctly, didn't he? And why? Because God defines that which is trustworthy. And we are to mirror God. We are made in his image. And when we're washed in the blood of Jesus and the scripture talks about being partakers of the divine nature, we want to mirror how he is and be trustworthy in our ways as well. The writer here in describing the Lord in Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 says for where wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That's talking about Christ being made like you and me. He came to the earth that he might be a merciful, he says, and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Why? To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Ultimately, Jesus Christ could completely and fully fulfill the will of his father because God, the father could trust that he would do it. He knew that the Lord wouldn't waffle in his desire to follow through on the plan of salvation. In fact, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, really he goes deeper on the same concept. He says, considering the apostle and high priest of our profession, both offices, two of the offices of Christ, profession Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him. God had a plan for Christ and 
he was appointed by God from the foundation of the world to commit to follow through on the plan. And he says he was faithful to him that appointed him. There was no wavering with the Lord. There was no questioning with the Lord, no indecision, no going back on his word because Jesus is and was faithful, trustworthy. And because he was faithful to the plan of salvation, you can trust him. I can trust him. We can trust him. We can count on him. There's nothing wavering when it comes to his word and what he wants to accomplish in our hearts and in our lives. That's why in our text, the writer states, speaking of the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, he says, in full assurance, which in the original, that that phrase means entire confidence of faith. Why can we have this confidence? Why can we have this complete trust? Because Jesus is trustworthy. There's no reason to doubt God. There's no reason to question the Lord. We can have absolute and complete confidence that God is going to do what he said he would do. That God will follow through on what he said in his scriptures. That God says what he means and means what he says. It's the enemy that sows discord. Discord, excuse me, doubt, questioning. Hath God said, that's the same uh, phrase that's happened for thousands of years now. That's how uh, the, the enemy operates, questioning, uncertainty. You know, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's what the scripture says. It's the opposite of how God works. And when the old enemy comes along and wants to question what the Lord did for you or, or challenge what the Lord did, But we know we can stand on what Jesus said, his word, the experience he gave us in our lives because they are sure they are steadfast and they will never leave us because Christ will never leave us or forsake us. It was the word of the Lord that spoke to Balak in Numbers 23, 19. He says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? When God promises something, it's for sure. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's settled in heaven. It's guaranteed. The Lord said it. And and you can see here the word of the Lord to Balak. He's doubling down. He's tripling down. We might say he's quadrupling down. And shall he not make it good? That's why when we read one of the most familiar scriptures on justification, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God has to do it because God guaranteed that if we come his way by way of repentance, God convicted us of our sins. We repent of our sins and we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins because it's his, pro- it's his promise. Paul, in, in his letter to the church at Thessalonica, it's probably the most commonly uh, remembered verse on entire sanctification. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 23. Verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. 
So he promised it for you. He provided the plan and we can get into the details of how Christ suffered without the gate and the sacrificial system and how God fulfilled it. But why will he do it? It's because Christ faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. There's another guarantee in the scripture. God is faithful to forgive you of your sins. He's faithful to sanctify you holy. In fact, the Bible is filled with the faithfulness of God. Second Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. That's a promise. That's a hope. When you go through a day and the ups and downs come and the, and the negativity maybe surrounds you, the scripture here says that because God is faithful, he will keep us, keep you from the evil. You can be kept pure. You can be kept holy. You can be kept separate from the world because God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. The scripture says here, maybe we waffle that doesn't affect who God is. His faithfulness, that he is true, that his word is established in heaven forever. I like 1 Peter 4.19, wherefore let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as unto a faithful creator. That's our God. He, he breathed into us the breath of life. He made us. Feelings were his idea. These emotions that we have, the, the scripture talks about Jesus experiencing all of it so he could feel what we feel when we need him to speak on our behalf at the throne of grace on the right hand of God when we're crying out to him. He's our intercessor. I know many saints here tonight or, or listening by way of the webcast can attest to the faithfulness of God. Year in and year out, decade in and decade out, many who have been saved much longer than me. I heard in the background uh, a, a song today. It's called Goodness of God, and, and it's really stuck with me. It goes like this. It says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, the goodness. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Another verse goes like this. I, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. Oh, and all my life, you have been good. So good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. We thank God for his goodness, his faithfulness. We can count on the Lord. We can trust in him. He defines that which is faithful. I want to leave you tonight with one more scripture that speaks to who Christ is. John the Revelator, as he was getting a picture of Christ at his second glorious coming, he describes Jesus as follows. He says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. That's our God. That's your God. So if you're seeking a, a deeper experience, we know that God's
promise to you has been established from the foundation of the world and he will see you through. You need not be discouraged when we are digging those ditches, spiritually speaking, and we're praying to be sanctified because of God's faithfulness. He's going to do it in your life because of God's faithfulness. He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. The writer rocks talks about all of these better promises and and this better covenant and this walk we can have in Christ in this dispensation. And that includes being filled with the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. God is faithful. He'll do it for you. He's done it for so many of us. He'll do it for each and every one of us. We can trust the Lord. We can count on God. We can guarantee that God will come through. Oh, the faithfulness of God. We thank God for it tonight. Let's come out and pray. The song is 285.